0: Democrats are furious at the authoritarian, fascist, terrible, no good, mean guy Donald Trump because when they asked him whether or not he will peacefully transfer power to Joe Biden, he didn't give them exactly the answer that they wanted. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transfer of power after the election? Well, we're gonna have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I understand and, that, but and, people are rioting. Do you uh, commit to making sure that uh, there's a no, peaceful wanna, transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a, very trans- we'll have a very peaceful, there won't be a transfer, frankly, there'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control, you know it, and you know who knows it better okay. than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else. Go ahead. Mr. President, will you give power over to Joe Biden? Yeah, I don't think we're going to have to do that. But 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 the riots. Do you hear that? The riots. He actually admits the question was obviously ridiculous in the first place. It's just a setup of Are you going to to turn over power to the Democrats? He says, "Well, you know, you guys are engaging in election fraud right now, but I don't think we're going to need to worry about that." And then the guy admits it. The, the reporter. He says, "But there there are riots in the streets. We're rioting in the streets. We're already committing violence. Why won't you be intimidated?" into peacefully giving us power. We're violently trying to take the power away from you, so why won't you peacefully give it to us? I don't think so. People who are burning down the country and burning down our political regime don't get to lecture us about peace. By the way, another American city is up in flames. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday comes from Zyphon7 on YouTube, who says, Breaking. Key Democrat says he will not hold up the Supreme Court nominee. Referring, of course, to Mitt Romney. That is not fair. Mitt Romney is playing nice with us right now. I. That is such a mean mean, mostly, completely accurate, true thing to say. But look, Mitt's doing pretty well now. He's come along over. It looked like he was going to hold up a good conservative judge, but now he will not. I got to tell you, it was a pretty close shave, folks, but not as close a shave as Harry's shave. (laughs) <laughs> how is that? How is that segue? I love Harry's. Glad to welcome them to the show. I shaved with Harry's just this morning, and I've tried a lot of razor companies in my life, okay? I've, I've actually had one razor. I've changed the blades, thankfully, since I was about 16, 17 years old. Harry's is unbelievable. It it is so sleek looking, it is so simple. You say, no way could this give you the best shave. It does. The blades are incredible. It is smooth and a very close shave. So I wondered, how on earth could they do that? Because Harry's very inexpensive. They are not raising the cost of their blades even as they innovate the technology and make them sharper. The blades are still as low as $2 each. You can find new Harry's sharper blades in big box, drug stores, grocery stores, places you get them. If you like to shop online, you can also get them. If you are a uh, new U.S. customers, you can get a, a trial offer of Harry's new blades by going to harrys.com slash They are extremely sharp. How? Because Harry's owns a factory in Germany that has been making and honing blades for over 100 years. Well, that makes a lot of sense. They also source all of their steel from Sweden. You uh, Uh, You can totally rely on these guys. There's a 100% quality guarantee. The, The thing about razor blades is they should all be the same, right? Except they're not. What it comes down to is the quality of the steel, the quality of the production. Harry's has the best. You can get them in the big box drugstore or if you like to shop online. New U.S. customers, get a Harry's trial set right now at harrys.com slash Knowles, You get a five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and this is my favorite part, a little travel cover to protect your blades and to protect your bags. I've ripped up a number of, of travel bags because I put my razor in there and it tears them up. Not with Harry's because you've got a little protective travel kit. They think of everything. harrys.com slash redeem your trial offer today. I cannot recommend this product highly enough. Democrats are lecturing us on the peaceful transition of power. Do you see anything wrong with that? Anything a little bit weird about that? They did this, by the way, in 2016. Hillary Clinton said they asked him the same question, and it's a total set-up question. And thankfully, Donald Trump doesn't take the bait. The question is... Uh, Mr. President, when you inevitably lose, uh, or when we inevitably steal the election from you, are you willing to roll over and let us take all of the power from you and through you, the people who voted for you in this country? And he says, uh, Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to really answer that question. I don't think. I think you guys are a bunch of propagandists and hacks for the Democrats. So I'm not. I'm not going to answer that. You got a lot of problems. And what happened? In 2016, Hillary Clinton said, Donald Trump is threatening not to accept the results of the election. He's a threat to democracy. And then what happened? Donald Trump won, and Hillary Clinton still has not accepted the results of the 2016 election. She didn't accept them on election night, and she frankly hasn't accepted them to this day. Well, they're doing the same old thing again, except this year it's even more ridiculous because, I don't know if you guys are history buffs or nothing, but what have Democrats been doing for the past six months? Oh, right, burning down the country, burning down multiple U.S. cities with the encouragement, it's not just the rioters in the streets. It's not just the people organizing and funding the rioters in the streets, BLM and Antifa. It's the elected officials. It's the people in the mainstream media. It's the leftists in academia who fuel, give the intellectual fuel to the leftist administrative state. It's everybody in that liberal establishment has been pushing this violence. They don't get to lecture the mean old orange man. They, they don't, you know, they, it's funny because they make Donald Trump out to be this, this authoritarian strong man. What is he known for? He's known for pulling troops out of the Middle East. He's known for establishing historic peace treaties, not only in the Middle East, also in Serbia, Kosovo. He's known for actually doing what he says he was going to do as president. And the liberals cannot take it. They do not get to lecture us. So of course, they're burning down another city. I think I can stop writing my show. I don't think I need to plan my show out before we go live. I don't even think I need to read the news anymore. I think as long as I have a producer just sub in the new city, whatever the new city is every day, I can keep the exact same structure of my show, which is Democrats are burning another city. And today's city is, spin the wheel, Louisville. Louisville. Yes, they're burning down that city. This time, not because a cop used force, justly or unjustly. Most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it turns out cops are justly using force, but that doesn't matter. They always riot over it anyway. This is not because a cop used force. This is not because a cop got off the hook for using force, justly or unjustly. Right now, the radical left is burning down Louisville and shooting people and killing people, trying to kill people. Because a cop was only charged with a class D felony for using force, rather than a more serious felony. The cop didn't even get off the hook for using force, which may well have been justified. But what do they want to do? I guess they want him to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. This comes back to the Breonna Taylor case, which has been uh, probably, in a way, even more than George Floyd, the central issue of the past six months of BLM riots. It's the one where they say, say her name. Brianna Taylor. Now, of course, everyone's saying her name, so I don't know why they have to say, say her name. But the case of Brianna Taylor is Brianna Taylor was dating and very, very possibly working with this drug trafficker. And there are people who have gone on the record to say she was working with the drug trafficker, and th- this drug trafficker may have been using her identity and her adre- address to deal in these drugs. She's with the drug trafficker in the apartment. The cops get a no-knock warrant to search the place. So this is why no-knock warrants, where you don't have to knock and say who you are before you go in, that's why they've been a hot-button political issue. But it's, it's pretty stupid that they've become a hot-button political issue, because the issue here was the cops didn't use a no-knock warrant. The cops knocked, which allowed this drug trafficker to grab a gun and start shooting at the cops. So then the cops shoot back, and sadly, uh, this, this guy's girlfriend, Brianna Taylor, goes down in the scuffle. We don't know totally her involvement in the drug trafficking operation. We just know that she's, we know at the very least she's involved with this guy. But we don't know exactly to what extent. So what happens yesterday? Or, two, or yes, it was yesterday that this grand jury report came out. So hard the days all blend together because the, the riots happen so quickly now. Actually, the riots were about to preempt the, the grand jury decision. There was already a state of emergency declared in Louisville because they, they knew that anything that happens in this case is going to cause people to go out in the street. So uh, this police officer gets charged on three counts of wanton endangerment in the first degree in the death of Breonna Taylor. Uh, this, this sergeant is Brett Hankins, Hankison. Uh, and so while he was charged with wanton endangerment in the first degree, he was not charged with the more serious felony uh, related to homicide. And so this is a class D felony. He could serve five years in prison. Bail is set at $15,000. Sounds about right. It might be even a little bit harsh. I don't know. I haven't seen the details of the case, but I haven't seen any evidence that this cop was some murderer going around because he's a racist and he really hates black ladies. The riots begin. Rioters in Louisville shoot two cops. As of now, as of now, I'm sure, I'm sure more violence will be to come. This is not spontaneous. This is not a grassroots uprising. This is not a cri de coeur of, a, of an oppressed people who are finally rising up now. This is a highly planned event in keeping with a highly planned insurrection and a very well-funded insurrection going on around the country, planned out and executed by people who want to destroy the United States and America, United States of America who are very open about it by the way that is the truth, okay? Another word for truth is Veritas. And from Veritas Publishing, we've got to tell you about our wonderful friends over at Thinker. Thinker.org, T-H-I-N-K-R, because there's no time for that E. We don't have time for this. I love Thinker. Uh, Thinker actually is a sponsor, also of my Prager U show, the book club. So I, I have been familiar with Thinker for a long time and a big fan of them because in our fast-paced world today, People don't have time to read. I know it because my job is to read and I still don't really have time to read. At thinker.org, what they do is they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction. They give you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or listen if you're on the go, you're driving, wherever. You can, you can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes. You get old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People a great book if you're interested in politics or sales or business, great book to read, Uh, or recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. They offer a variety of titles across many, many categories, including Ben Shapiro's Right Side of History, including Matt Walsh's The Unholy Trinity, and I hope, including my upcoming book, which we'll be talking about in, in the coming days and weeks. If you want to challenge your perceptions, if you want to expand your horizons, most importantly, if you want to sound smart at cocktail parties, Go to thinker.org, T-H-I-N-K-R.org. Start a free trial, download the app today, let them know you heard about them on the Michael Knowles Show. Tell them, let them know, thinker.org. All right. This is all planned out. This is being planned from the very top. We actually saw a video from Louisville of uh, a U-Haul truck being pulled up and Antifa slash BLM slash general leftist insurrectionists Uh, Passing out pre-made signs, passing out armor, passing out tools that these riders can use to attack cops and to attack civilians that they don't like. So here they come, all these guys. Now, they're in uniforms, by the way, the Antifa guys, with some exceptions, maybe one or two exceptions. They're all wearing black, all black, and they're taking out these signs, abolish the police abolition now meaning abolition of our criminal justice system of our law enforcement system which what does that mean i get it look everybody hates the cops when they get pulled over right everybody hates the cops when they get a parking ticket everybody is really upset at our law enforcement system sometimes and yet we're very grateful to the cops and to our law enforcement system because they they allow us to have our property protected, to allow our, have our lives protected, to exist in the system that is so wonderful. Attacks on law enforcement are seductive because sometimes everyone gets irritated at the cops. But what they are really is a symbol for an attack on our law, on our nation itself. The cops, the law enforcement are the symbol of the nation of laws that we have. And so they attack the cops. S- somebody's paying for these u-holes. Somebody's somebody's paying to, for these people to communicate. Somebody is organizing them. This group is Antifa. They are working in tandem over the past six months with BLM, an avowedly Marxist organization. We are told that Antifa does not exist. That's what the mainstream left has told us. They don't exist, right? Well, if they don't exist, if it's just a little local phenomena, pops up in Portland, then how come it pops up in Louisville? If it pops up in Louisville, and this is a, a, a Louisville issue, right, this issue of the Breonna Taylor case, why were there riots yesterday in Washington, D.C. as well? And if there's not an organization called Antifa, how come they wave a flag? CNN, CNN actually had to admit this, it, and they had been pushing this whole thing. Antifa's not real, forget about Antifa. Well, finally, during the the mayhem in D.C. last night. CNN admits that it, that these people are organized and they're organized under the same banner. There are restaurants and bars and apartments uh, chanting all sorts of things, anti-gentrification slogans, anti-police slogans. Uh, some have been banging on uh, on street signs with batons and bats. Fireworks have been have been fired off. We've seen graffiti sprayed uh, on a variety of buildings and even seen an Antifa flag. Clearly being flown and waved at the front of the march. But I thought they didn't exist. How do they have a flag? If they're not a real organization, how come they have uniforms and equipment and a flag and funding and they're in multiple cities? They're all over the country because, of course, they do exist. So CNN had to change its tune on this. And CNN actually showed the flag later on in the clip. You can actually see it in the... The, the coverage, Antifa walks right by the camera waving their flag. I want to go to CNN's Alex Marquardt uh, in Washington where protesters have- There's Darn Lemon cutting right back to him. Away. Yeah, uh, Don, you know, protesters took to the streets uh, in huge numbers in the wake of George Floyd's death. And they are back out in the streets of Washington tonight. Uh, this is the crowd that is out here at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, this group gathered around four hours ago. There it is. They've been on the march now it's for flag. the past two, leaving from the White House and really doing a big loop around Washington, D.C. Anti-Fed. Just these protesters. At least they weren't burning down any buildings in that particular shot, so he could almost credibly call them protesters. And you see Don Lemon cutting to it. Don Lemon, who previously defended Antifa. This is a little bit of a change in tune for CNN. Not totally, because they're not totally condemning them here. But Don Lemon went on TV, went on CNN, and defended this Antifa organization, which targets civilians to achieve political ends. Do you know do you know what that's called? That's terrorism. That's the base definition of terrorism. Antifa, which tears down property, which burns down buildings, which attacks cops, which tries to kill civilians, which sometimes succeeds at killing civilians. Don Lemon said, hey, not every organization's perfect. It Great. says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um fighting listen there's you know no organization is perfect there was some violence Um, no one condones the violence but there were different reasons for antifa and for these neo-nazis uh to be there one racist fascists the other group fighting racist fascists. there is a fascist there's a distinction there Hey, look, Antifa, they're really good. They're anti-fascist. Okay, yes, yeah, sometimes they kill civilians. That's I guess that's that's not good, you know. But no one's perfect. And uh, look, nobody condones violence. But also, Antifa's really good. That was the that was the compliment sandwich that Don Lemon prepared for Antifa, right? Big compliment, minor criticism, big compliment. But let's zoom in on that minor criticism. No organization's perfect, I guess that's true. Yeah, okay, they're a little violent. Yep, they're more than a little violent. No one condones violence. Well, that's not true. The left is condoning violence, not radicals even, not extremists, but leftists on Don Lemon's own network. I mean, he and his compliments is tacitly condoning the violence, but even his ostensibly more moderate counterpart, Chris Cuomo, is explicitly condoning the violence just a few weeks ago. Chris Cuomo goes on TV to defend the riots, and he says, wait a second, since when do protests have to be peaceful? And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. The First Amendment, that's where it says that you have a right to peaceably assemble, not a right to burn down cities. But just more evidence that, well, well, the left is going to tell you, as the cities burn and their poll numbers go down, so they have to start slightly going after Antifa— And they say, look, no one condones violence. They have been condoning violence this entire time, and they've been encouraging it the entire time. And now they're going to try to lie to you and tell you that they haven't. And they're going to tell you that orange man bad because he doesn't want a peaceful transfer of power. The left is engaging in political violence to steal political power away from the duly elected president. And they've been doing it for six months at least. I don't ever want to hear that word come out of their mouth again. Peace, peaceful. They've lost their privileges, to use that word. They've lost their privileges to lecture me on the peaceful transfer of power. When you use violence and you try to steal an election, I'm done. There's no, why are we even having this conversation with them anymore? Next time some reporter asks Trump that question, uh, he shouldn't even give it, he should just move on. Move on to the next reporter who's going to ask another stupid question. And, And I actually don't even mean just to attack the mainstream media here, they are just tools pushing this violence. The intellectual heft pushing this violence goes much deeper, goes into the heart of academia. So you might be asking, okay, there's this totally fine grand jury decision that comes out in the Breonna Taylor case, which has been completely misrepresented by the mainstream media. And that's fine. That's in Louisville. Why are there riots in DC? Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one more. Why is the president of Ohio State University weighing in on the alleged injustice of a case that she knows nothing about? That's exactly what happened when Ohio State President Christina Johnson said, more or less, in a kind of boring, academic, but nonetheless radical way, no justice, no peace. Brianna Taylor deserves justice, and this does not feel like justice. We cannot accept what has happened in Louisville we grieve the tragic and senseless loss of Breonna Taylor, a daughter, a friend, a niece, a loved one who was unarmed and asleep. The breakdown in the justice system and the killings of unarmed black and brown people in our country has become all too familiar tragically. This isn't going to stop until we create an anti-racist world. We must come together to draw strength from each other and advance our collective vision For a better world, where we one day have justice for all, there is much work to be done. That's so creepy. She's talking like a brainwashed person. It's funny because she's leading one of the institutions that does the brainwashing, but she's just some administrative hack, right? I mean, she's just the the president of the university. Used to be that presidents of the university were serious academics. This woman, I don't think so. But she just repeats the talking points. And notice that she goes, this will never go away. We can never have justice until we have an anti-racist world. Anti-racist. Now, in that phrase, nobody would object to that, right? But anti-racist obviously doesn't mean anti-racist. It means the opposite of that. It means a a very racist world. And beyond that, a very violent world, a very unjust world. But they use the term anti-racist. In the same way that Antifa uses the term anti-fascist. You got Antifa, you got Antira. Antira is the anti-racists but it doesn't mean anti-racist at all. Both of those things, Antifa and Antira, very, very bad because what they mean is a, a total racial bigotry, bigotry of other sorts as well. And ultimately what it boils down to is injustice. ruled by a mob that has a wicked evil vision of the good. ruled by a mob that is avowedly anarchistic, that is sometimes avowedly Marxist in the case of BLM ruled by very, very, very bad people who want to tear down everything good that we cherish in the world. You know, Marx, who is sort of the big mac daddy godfather of all of these movements, Marx famously called for, we said it yesterday on the show, the ruthless criticism of all that exists. His conception of the good that he's trying to force on society is just the opposite of what we've all thought the good is. His conception of human nature, totally the opposite of what we thought human nature was. His conception of justice, totally the opposite of actual justice. That's what these guys are pushing. That's why it matters. When, you know, you say, oh, who cares? Some, even when you say there's some riot in some city, you say, okay, why do I I care? It doesn't affect me. It doesn't, it does. Because the intellectual poison of of this movement is spreading throughout the entire country. And it threatens to tear the whole thing down. When you are about to lose something that you cherish, the key to it is not to wait until after the fact. The key to fixing that is prevention. This is true when you're talking about losing a country. It's also true when you're losing your hair. How was that segue? I was looking forward to that one so much. Keeps, that's what I'm talking about, keeps. (laughs) Two-thirds of men can lose their hair very, very early. You're talking between... 25 and 35 years old. You don't think of it that way. You think you're only going to lose your hair when you're older. you got to start early if you want to keep your hair. You used to have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it very easy. They deliver it every three months. Keeps uses the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. Maybe you've tried them before. You have never tried them at this price. Now, Keeps treatments, I, I will warn you right up front, they, they can take four to six months to really start working. So you've got to start fast. But this is the way to do it. This is the way to keep your hair. You know I'm not like a hulking Olympian Adonis of a man, okay? One thing I've always had going for me in the lady department, though, got a nice full head of poofy hair over here. You should keep your hair as well. It's very important, guys. It, it, the treatments start at just 10 bucks a month. Okay, it is worth 10 bucks a month to you to keep your hair. I promise you, you're going to regret it down the line if you don't do it. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Knowles, receive your first month of treatment for free, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Knowles. Keep your hair, and we should try to keep our country. In the meantime, though, while the left is actively organizing to tear down the country, the so-called moderate leftist politicians are dithering away. Uh, one of them, uh, uh, sometimes we call him Governor Hairgel or Mussolini, I consider him to be Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. The only thing, Whenever I see Gavin Newsom on screen, all I can think of is, hey, you ever listen to Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> you know, hey, Paul, and then chops with you with an ax. That is Governor Newsom. He is dithering. He is now talking about, we're not protecting... The country from burning down because of leftist marauders, not protecting the state of California from burning down because of his forest mismanagement, which he's even admitted to in the past. He's going to ban cars. That's what he's going to do. He's not, that's how he's going to fix the country. He's going to ban cars in 15 years. Thank you, Governor Newsom. A goal, firm goal that by 2035, In the next 15 years, we will eliminate in the state of California the sales of internal combustion engines. We will move forward to green and decarbonize our vehicle fleet here in the state of California. As a consequence, substantially reducing greenhouse gas emissions as well as oxide nitrogen, meaning NOx emissions here in the state of California. In so doing, will improve air quality uh, as well as improve the economic climate here in the state of California. This is both stupid and meaningless. <laughs> it's, it's somehow managed to be both. It's stupid in that he says that by banning automobiles, by, by banning the vast, vast majority of automobiles, he's going to improve the economy of California. I don't think so. And I think the other measures he's taken to improve the economy of California, have uh, plunged it into the depths of despair. He's saying it's going to improve air quality. Do you know what's causing there to be bad air quality right now in California? Do you know why I'm getting alerts on my phone because of bad air quality? The fires that are burning down because of his forest mismanagement, and in fairness to Newsom, decades of democratic forest mismanagement in California. That's why the air quality is bad. It's not because somebody is driving a Honda. It's not because we don't all have Teslas. So it's very stupid. But where Newsom really manages to achieve something is it's also meaningless. He says we've got to do it by 2035. He's not going to be in office in 2035. Whoever is in office in 2035 very likely will have to rescind this stupid order because you can't ban cars if you want to keep your economy moving at all. And the electric cars, are the technology is not perfected. And usually they're worse for the environment than the regular normal normal cars. That burn gas because the parts in the electric cars are much more uh, deleterious to the environment than just burning burning the gas on your regular old Ford or Honda or Chevy. What this is about is setting up Newsom to run for president in 2024 or possibly even 2028, but still both of those dates long before 2035. It's a ridiculous plan. How about the leader of the Democratic Party? How about him? Does he have any better ideas? No, he's trying to fend off corruption charges when it is that he can remember where he is, which is not too frequently. Joe Biden was asked some months ago about Hunter Biden's corruption. We got some big news on Hunter Biden's corruption yesterday. Joe Biden was asked some months ago about his son Hunter, because don't forget, it's not just about having a bad son who makes some bad deals. The son was trading on the father's influence when the father was point man on the issues that Hunter Biden was cashing in on, when when the father was the vice president. So it's not just Hunter Biden's corruption, it's Joe Biden's corruption as well. What's Joe's answer? He doesn't have one. I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board and that was it. And there's nobody- Well, you've had a lot of time. Isn't this something you wanna get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son. But that doesn't pass the smell test. Like when you're vice president, isn't there a higher standard? Don't you need to know what's happening with your family? Don't you need to put down some guardrails? Unless there was something that was, uh, there was something on its face that was wrong. There's nothing on its face that was wrong. So look, if you want to talk about problems, you know, let's talk about Trump's family. (laughs) If you want to talk about problems... Please don't ask me about my son who was obviously trading my influence for lots of money. He said, there's nothing wrong on its face. Okay, so I don't want to, I trust my son. Well, there turns out there is something wrong on its face. There's a lot wrong on its face and he shouldn't have trusted his son. We found out why Joe Biden kept deflecting. His ridiculous answer that he had no idea what Hunter Biden was up to. First of all, Hunter Biden admitted that his father knew what he was up to. So, so eventually then Joe Biden had to change his tune and say, yeah, I knew, but it wasn't a big deal. So according to the Senate report on Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden allegedly sent thousands of dollars to people who were involved in sex trafficking. This according to Wednesday's report by Senate Republicans. The report claims unspecified records show that Biden sent funds to non-resident alien women in the U.S. who are citizens of Russia and Ukraine uh, who subsequently then wired funds that they received from Hunter Biden to individuals located in Russia and Ukraine. Now, people are making a big deal out of this because sex trafficking is in the news because of, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and all this this other crazy stuff that involves a lot of Democrats. That's not the most damning thing. I mean, it's it's damning in the sense that it's very bad, but it's something we already knew about Hunter Biden, which is the guy who went to strip clubs and hookers and he did that sort of thing. So that you know, you, you hear it as he was participating in the sex trafficking ring. Really what happened is he, he just sent thousands of dollars to Russian hookers. That's nothing we didn't know. Okay, that was, that was not, not bombshell stuff. But there is some bombshell stuff involving Russia. You follow the Russia trail, get, get past the hookers, get into the much more serious corruption. Hunter Biden received a $3.5 million wire transfer from Alina Bachurina, the richest woman in Russia, the widow of Yuri Luzkov, former mayor of Moscow. This is according to the Senate Republicans' report. Bacharina is mentioned in this 87-page report, and it addresses this payment to Biden, which occurred in 2014, while his father, Joe Biden, was vice president. What we're seeing again and again is more evidence of a typical Democrat strategy, which is accuse your opponent of your own corruption. Accuse your opponent of your own vices. Accuse your opponent of your own crimes. How long did we hear about the Russia hoax? Trump colluding with Russia. We now have proof. We now have proof positive that Democrats were the ones colluding with Russia, which we should have known about because they've been pro-Russia for a hundred (laughs) years. They've been been defending Russia for a hundred years. During Stalin's reign, they were defending Russia. At the beginning of the Obama administration, they wanted a reset with Russia. Barack Obama promised Medvedev, he said, tell Putin that I'm going to be more flexible after my election. I've got to lie to the American people in the meantime, but uh, I'm going to be really soft on him after my election in 2012. Of course, they're soft. They're always soft on Russia. And now we see that Hunter Biden receives millions and millions of dollars from the richest woman in Russia while his father is vice president. Why do you get that money? Why do you get that money? I don't know, but I know for a fact that the Democrats had to deflect by accusing Trump of, of crimes that he never committed Turns out they did commit them. It's the same thing with the peaceful transfer of power. Mr. President, why won't you commit to the peaceful transfer of power? Because you won't. not, Not even that you won't commit to the peaceful transfer of power. You're promising me you won't transfer power. Hillary Clinton said explicitly, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. Doesn't matter if there's a Trump landslide, don't concede. The Democrats are funding rioters in the streets. And where they're not funding their actual equipment, they're funding their positive press coverage. They're funding their propaganda arm, which might might be called CNN. That's what's going on. Peaceful transfer of power? I don't think so. We we are now at the stage where anything the Democrats accuse this president of. I have got to assume they are committing themselves. We got to get to the mailbag, so head on over to dailywire.com right now. You know, by the way, you got to go if you're watching this on YouTube. Subscribe to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel, ring the bell over there. Uh, September 28th, we're going to switch over, only broadcast this show exclusively on the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Not because I am leaving the Daily Wire, I assure you, just because we got to get around big tech. Head on over there. By the way, don't forget September 29th, after the big debate, if the big debate happens, we're gonna have a backstage. I guess we'll have a backstage in any case. So get ready for that. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. First question from Grant. Hey, Michael, I'm in a slight dilemma I'm currently seeing an amazing Catholic girl who I want to be serious with. However, I have trouble overcoming my ex's hateful actions against me. Lying, cheating, leading me on, the manner in which she handled our breakup, what she did after our breakup, etc. And it's hindering my new relationship because I'm still so angry at my ex. My ex and I dated for five years until last November. Should I man up and do the Christian thing and wish her well, forgive her? What's the best way to do this? Uh, Yet yeah, you clearly know the answer. You set me up for it and then you asked how to, how to achieve it. Yes, you should man up. And you should do the Christian thing and wish her well and forgive her. Uh, Maybe more for you than for her. You know, you got to forgive her because it sounds like you're really hung up on this girl. I mean, uh, yeah, sure. There are plenty of awful, awful girlfriends in the world. And maybe she lied to you. Maybe she cheated on you. Maybe she led you on again. Maybe she didn't take your breakup well. Maybe she did crazy stuff after your breakup. Maybe she boiled your rabbit. I don't know. You got to man up. Just gotta say, okay, well, dodged a bullet there. Sure, glad I didn't marry her. You're a lucky man. You should be. You should thank this woman for for showing you who she was before you got married and stuck with her forever. Sounds from this like you're Catholic. When you're Catholic, that's it. You can't leave the marriage. There's no divorce, pal. (laughs) You can't. That is not an option for you. So the fact that you were able to avoid marrying this uh, apparently awful woman is a great thing. You should thank her for that. Say thank you so much, lady for showing me what a terrible lady that you are. Not much of a lady at all, perhaps. And uh, now you can be very thankful that you got this great Catholic girl. Just get over the ex-man. Come on. Everybody has ex-girlfriends. Everybody's got a past. Just move on, Pat. How do do you get over this? Well, I will give you some pagan advice on this. You, you, You seem to know the Catholic advice. You've already said it to me. You wish her well. You forgive her. You work through this. You obviously order all of your loves toward God. A great, a great little bit of reading on how to order your love, including your erotic love, uh, t- toward the beloved, but then ultimately through the beloved and up toward the highest good, who is God, is Dante. Dante does that very well. It's a wonderful poem. I recommend it all the time. But then if you want some a little bit of pagan advice, a little classical antiquity for, for some advice. Ovid, the... the uh, Latin writer, has a book called Remedia Amoris, The Cure for Love. I'm not recommending that you do every single thing he says. Some of it, you know, is a, maybe not exactly kosher, but it's a very funny book. It's an enjoyable book to read, and it does give very good practical advice for how to get over a a uh, bad breakup. Some very basic stuff that he says that's, that's probably morally illicit. Uh, tear up all of her... Photos. Don't keep her photos. Don't look at her Facebook page. Don't look at her Instagram. Don't think about her all the time. Burn all get rid of that. Who cares? That lady's done. Uh, get rid of your infatuation with her. You know, sometimes when you realize that someone's a terrible person, but you still feel feelings of love for them, it's not love, it's infatuation. You're not thinking about the actual person. You're just thinking about your own sentimental gloss that you've put over this person. And that's that is sinful. That's a that's not a good thing. So uh, get rid of that. He also has some advice that, you know, probably you shouldn't do. But, you know, your mileage may vary. Give it a read. That's, that's my advice for you. From Daniel. Dear stogie-smoking Don of the intellectual dark web, since the Democrats threatening to pack the Supreme Court if given pow- the power in November, uh, should the Republicans, if we win the presidency, Senate, and House Representatives, try to amend the Constitution to solidify the court size to nine? No, I don't see any reason to do that. The Constitution doesn't set the court size. I don't know that we need necessarily a fixed court size at nine. If we win the presidency, the Senate, and the White House, we're going to be able to appoint another judge. Uh, Breyer probably is the next up, He's the next eldest judge. He's a big lib, so you could get another conservative there. Then you've got a 7-2 court. Now, that you could, you could waste your time trying to amend the Constitution. It's very difficult to amend the Constitution. That's why it hasn't been done very many times in American history in this divided country. I, I don't know that you want to waste your political capital on that. I don't think you would necessarily succeed. Actually, Scalia, before he died, he was asked what I, he actually may have done. I got, I got to meet the guy twice. and I think it was actually one time when I was there vi- visiting him with a group of other students at the Supreme Court. We said, what would you change about the Constitution? He said, I'd make it easier to amend. He actually thinks it's a weakness of the Constitution that it's so hard to amend. But his observation, nevertheless, is true. It's very difficult to amend. So I wouldn't waste the political capital on that. I would just enjoy a a very conservative court if we win in November. I would put your political capital and focus it on actual substantive policy goals, both in the administrative government through executive order and then through legislation if you can win back the Senate and House if they want to legislate, which they usually don't. And then I would make sure that we get a lot of great cases going up to the court and a lot of great decisions out of it. From Christy. Hey, Michael. We have another question from the Daily Wire Autonomous Zone. DWAS, as we call it. Now that you're moving to Nashville, when do we get pictures of the whole crew in cowboy hats and boots? Also, The Daily Wire picked Nashville so that you and Jeremy can make your duet, take your duet on the road and play in some dive bars. I'm sure we can help your band find a really good name. Thanks. I would love it if you could help name my uh, duet, my folk rock band with Jeremy Boring. If you could give us a name, maybe put it in the comments, email it in through Daily Wire whatever. I uh, would I would really appreciate that cuz we're we're looking for a name. I do have cowboy boots that I got from Takovas on this show and uh, you know they're very very comfortable. I don't know that I can pull the look off terribly well, but if but but they do look, they are very very comfortable and I think in Nashville I'm going to have to the cowboy hat is the harder one because my head is shaped like a peanut. So it's just not it's not built for hats. That's that's kind of the problem. But I'll tell you what, if you maybe Photoshop it on, give me a few few options, maybe I'll be able to get there. From Michael, great name. Love the show. Good luck in Nashville. My question is, how do you think never Trump Republicans at this point can still consider themselves to be pro-life? The candidate they're backing is clearly not pro-life. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they organize their thought because it's not logical and it's not coherent. But the key what is it, that it never was. Never Trump was always based on a moral error, a moral miscalculation. I get that it was much harder in 2016. We had all these knockdown drag-out fights, obviously, not just in the Daily Wire, but in the conservative movement broadly, about, about Never Trump. And I, I see the argument for Never Trump, especially in 2016, which is: I don't know, maybe he'll be a Democrat, maybe he'll be more liberal than we think. He's too crass, he's this, he's that, whatever. But the the moral miscalculation is that the Never Trump movement was based on the idea that the election is not a binary choice, but it is. The election in America, the presidential election, is a binary choice. There are only two candidates who possibly can win. There is no such thing as a third-party candidate. There is no such thing as Egg McMuffin, or whatever that guy's name was. Evan McMullen, in twenty. he ran to be a spoiler for the Republicans. Or Gary Johnson or Joe Jorgensen or whatever the, the Libertarian Party or the Green Party or this. Or that. That's not real. When you, when you vote for one of those guys, you were voting to take away a vote from your political party or two major political parties. That's actually a good thing because it gives people a choice. The parties aren't perfect. They're far from it. But they give people an actual choice. And the parties, as they become, quote unquote, polarized, have made clearer choices. You know, Phyllis Schlafly said early on in the post-war conservative movement, she said, we need a choice, not an echo. The two parties were too similar at that time. You didn't know if you vote for a Democrat, he might be more conservative than a Republican in some cases. So now the parties are pretty clear. You do have a choice. And the, the Never Trump movement tried to pretend that there's no such thing as the binary choice, that you win politics by losing. The idea was we'll lose this election and then we're going to win stronger in four years. That doesn't happen. That's not how politics works. You don't win by losing. You win by winning. And you can only win when you take moral risk. And maybe things don't turn out well and maybe you have egg on your face and maybe you feel bad about it. But the only way you're going to win is by embracing that imperfection because politics is not perfect abstract ideology, which which is always divorced from reality. It's not even perfect philosophy. It's imperfect reality, flesh and bones, real decisions being made. So it's wrong then. It's much clearer that it's wrong now. And I don't know who are the only, there are like three never Trumpers left in the whole country. It's not real. It's not real anymore because I think people have recognized that. From Sarah, congrats on moving to Nashville. There's a lot of like Nashville questions today. My question is, what do you think was the worst part of living in Los Angeles, and who do you put the blame on for destroying arguably the best piece of land in the U.S.? Yeah, it is great land. Luckily, you still get Orange County is so beautiful, and San Diego is very, very beautiful, and Santa Barbara is very beautiful. So L.A., they've made it less and less beautiful, but it is gorgeous land that has been destroyed. And it's destroyed because it's a company town for Hollywood, and Hollywood is owned by the left. And it's been owned by the left for at least fifty years now, at least since the seventies or so. It wasn't wasn't always totally left wing dominated, um, but but it is now. Once the studio system broke up, that was it. I know I know you're you're probably asking for a political issue. When did this, this issue or that issue, you know, they raised taxes and that's what destroyed LA. That's not it. You, you actually have to look a little past the politicians into what constitutes the town. It is a showbiz town. It's a Hollywood town. And Hollywood has always been a morally compromised institution. Uh, this goes back even when it was ostensibly conservative, that we would call it Gomorrah by the sea. You know, it's, all, it's always had that reputation, the casting couch and all that kind of stuff. Nothing, nothing about that is new. But... What changed was it used to be run with some business sensibility and with some patriotism and with some understanding of how labor relates to the studios. And that, that was called the studio system. And it, that was back when Hollywood was, was full of real jobs and real contracts, right? Then after the studio system is broken up by the Supreme Court, then you've got this free-for-all. And this really expands in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And then people don't really have jobs. So it's a bunch of vagrants in cafes writing screenplays that are never going to be produced. People going on auditions for roles they're never going to get. People trying to direct movies that no one's ever going to see. And uh, this creates uh, a lot of chaos in in Hollywood. And Idle Hands are the devil's playground. It increases the, the sort of vice of the city somehow. It was already a somewhat vicious city. And the, the political issues follow from there. And it has, it has gotten appreciably worse over time. Now, of course, it's just needles and, and defecation and all sorts of craziness in the streets. But not us in the streets anymore, because we're getting out of there, and a lot of people are as well. I've got to get out of here today, but I will see you on Monday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. Assistant director Pavel Wadowski, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Robin Fenderson, hair and makeup Nika Geneva, and production assistant Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life family, faith, those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.